You're listening to Comedy Central. March 18, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Our guest tonight is the governor of Washington State and a Democratic candidate for president in 2020. Jay Inslee is joining us, everybody. It's gonna be a fun conversation. Also on tonight's show, Bernie's near-death experience, Ronnie Chang is here to save the planet, and Apple thinks you're not looking at your phone enough. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. (laughs) President Trump. As much as I hate to start the show talking about him, he is the president. Although maybe someone should tell him that because this weekend, instead of doing normal president stuff, he was on Twitter unleashing a record 50 tweet tirade that he had even some of his supporters a little worried. President Trump just glued to Twitter over the weekend some 50 tweets. A Twitter typhoon ripping everything from the Steele dossier to making claims that Mueller should never have been appointed. President Trump once again insults the late Senator John McCain. President ripping into Google over the weekend via Twitter. Trump blasts GM. Mr. Trump is urging Fox News to put Jeanine Pirro back on the air. He also took aim at Saturday Night Live, even though it was a rerun, threatening the show with a federal investigation. Good Lord. You know, I know Trump doesn't drink, so it seems like for St. Patrick's Day, he just skipped the alcohol and went right to the crazy rampaging through the streets. And of all of his tweets this weekend, our favorite was when he tweeted out, it's truly incredible that shows like Saturday Night Live, not funny slash no talent, can spend all of their time knocking the same person, me, over and over. Same with late night shows. Should FCC look into this? There must be collusion with the Democrats and of course, Russia. (laughs) So much going on here. First of all, SNL was a rerun, as you heard this weekend. So he got new angry over old jokes. (laughs) And also it's interesting how he only complains about jokes that are about him. Like he's never said like, leave my children alone. In fact, he's probably like, hello, SNL, do you take submissions? I have a few Eric jokes I could send. (laughs) And also, what does he mean? Late night shows are colluding with Russia, really? Really? The country that's famously known for their sense of humor, yes? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what's your favorite Russian comedy show? You can't answer, because there are no Russian comedy shows. If they did a sitcom, the wacky neighbor would burst through the door like Kramer and everyone would just shoot him and just be like, ha ha, bang, 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 bang. Please do knock first. (laughs) And also, we're colluding with the Democrats. What does that mean? They're the only people less funny than the Russians. You think comedy shows are getting material from these guys? Negotiating with this White House is like negotiating with Jell-O. It's next to impossible. The five white guys, I call them, you know. um, (laughs) I thought they were gonna open a hamburger stand next or what? Um, the, um... (laughs) I don't know who created Pokemon Go. But I'm trying to figure out 
how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. And shortly after that, she was peek-a-booed off stage. <laughs> All right, moving on to some big technology and entertainment news. The New York Times looks at Apple's ambitious plans to challenge Netflix, Amazon, and HBO. Apple is inviting movie producers, studio executives, and A-list actors to an event next week to unveil its ideas for a streaming service. The first of a dozen or more shows will likely start streaming this year. Apple reportedly plans to spend more than a billion dollars on entertainment. I hear the unveiling's gonna be big. Okay, why is everybody a TV network now? Huh? Apple makes phones, now they're a streaming channel. Amazon sells books, also a streaming channel. I feel like one day we're gonna be talking to our friends like, yo, have you seen that new show on Doritos? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's not enough people for all these channels that are coming up. Pretty soon, the audience is gonna be so split up. Every show is just gonna have five viewers. Yeah, like, I'm gonna come out every night and be like, welcome to The Daily Show, Jill, Peter, Susan, Levi, and Brian. <laughs> What's that? We lost Brian? <laughs> Shit! And then I have to go to Brian's house, like, what happened, man? And Brian be like, oh, dude, I cracked my screen. And then I've got to repair Brian's iPhone screen, or I'm losing advertisers. This shit can't carry on! <laughs> and now, many people are wondering, what does Apple know about making TV shows? Like, where are they gonna get their ideas? Well, actually, this is really interesting. Most of the material for their shows is gonna be taken from our private text messages and any photos or videos that we have on our phones. Yeah. Yeah, now, that could be true. You don't know. <laughs> You don't know, because you didn't read the terms and conditions before you clicked accept. Whoops, all your dick pics are gonna be part of a new game show. It's time to play Whose Dick Is This? Is that my dick? I think it's my dick. That's my dick, final answer. And finally, moving on to some breaking news from the wizarding world. The bombshell revelation from Harry Potter creator J.K. Rowling about two of her most prominent characters. Rowling had previously revealed that, even though it's not mentioned in any of the books or films, Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore is gay. But hang on to your wands here. Ooh. Rowling now <laughs> reportedly says Dumbledore mm -hmm. uh, and Fantastic Beasts uh, Grindelwald mm -hmm. had a passionate sexual affair. Oh, wow. I mean, it makes sense that they'd have passionate sex. One's good, one's evil. Of course, the sex is gonna be smoking, you know? Like, they're getting down to it, taking off their clothes, and Dumbledore's like, hey, leave the sorting hat on. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm all for having diverse characters with diverse sexual identities, but I feel like at this point, isn't J.K. Rowling just gossiping, you know? <laughs> She's like, so Dumbledore and Grindelwald totally boned. <laughs> But then Grindelwald never called him the next day. That was the real crime of Grindelwald. <laughs> and you know, you know what's funny is, once you bring sex into Harry Potter, now everything in the book sounds dirty. Like, take Quidditch, right? Harry's running out like, I just bludgeoned the quaffle with my beater's bat <laughs> so I can get my hands on that snitch. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our main story. There are just 595 days until the next presidential election, which is so close. If you go to the bathroom, you'll miss it. So let's catch up <laughs> on more updates from the Democratic primary campaign in another edition of World War D. If you're a Democratic voter who feels like there just aren't enough choices in this race, <laughs> well, you're in luck. 
Now to the race for 2020 and something Joe Biden said, then quickly corrected, that may be stealing the spotlight. Listening to Vice President Joe Biden, it sounds to many like he's made up his mind about entering the race. I have the most progressive record of anybody running for the United anybody who would run. I didn't mean No, Joe. You're still running, Joe. Why are you even trying to cover it up, man? You don't have to pretend for our sake. We know what you're planning. You know, Biden is like a parent trying to preserve their kid's innocence. She's like, wow, big guy, another tooth gone? I guess I'll have to... I mean, the tooth fairy will put $5 under your pillow. Trust me, the money doesn't come from me. It's like, I know, Dad, the money comes from Mom. You haven't had a job in five years. (laughs) Anyway... While Biden was slipping up on stage, Bernie Sanders was slipping at the crib. Two-time presidential candidate Bernie Sanders out campaigning in Nevada after an accident in the shower left him with seven stitches on his head. He apparently (laughs) cut his head on a glass shower door, we're told. He popped into a walk-in clinic, got seven stitches, and got right back out there. But you can see the big bandage there. Is, Is this evidence of his tenacity as this race heats up? Bernie! Yo, this dude is such a legend. He cuts his head in the shower and then goes back out on the campaign. Like, I can picture him at the hospital. Just hand me a stapler. I'll do it myself. Because let me tell you something. If I cut my head in the shower, I'm not coming to work, all right? Like, this guy shouldn't be in the White House. He should be in the next Expendables movie. That's where he should be. Yeah. And he'd be the youngest member of the team. He'd be in there. And by the way, I'm not saying Bernie's too old to be president, all right? But you have to admit, it would be awkward for the Secret Service if one of them has to watch Bernie shower. I mean, because that's a danger to him, and that's an assignment that nobody's gonna want. Because if you've ever been in the gym or a locker room with an old person, you know that they're not covering up anything for anyone's sake. Yeah, he's gonna be toweling off his crotch like, take it all in, Agent Wilson. This is your future. This is you. Oh, and by the way, just by the way, by the way, You know, for me, this story is a great example of how differently the media treats male and female candidates. Yeah, because they just said that Bernie slipping in the shower and hitting his head and carrying on is evidence of his tenacity. But remember when Hillary fainted at the 9-11 memorial and everyone was like, Hillary fainted today. Is she healthy enough to be president? Or is it time to put Hillary down? (laughs) This is something I noticed. But while some of the news was focused on the senior Democrats, It's one of the youngest candidates who is making waves. Beto O'Rourke, former Texas congressman and handsome scarecrow, who raised (laughs) $6.1 million, a record in the 24 hours after he announced his presidential run last Thursday. And that's a lot of money, $6.1 million. That's almost enough to bribe your kid into USC. (laughs) So right now, right now, out of the gates, Beto looks like a serious candidate but his launch is being overshadowed by a revelation about his past. Newcomer Beto O'Rourke quickly went from a big start to closer scrutiny. Former U.S. Congressman O'Rourke confirmed that he used to be a member of a well-known computer hacking group. As a teenager, he belonged to the group called the Cult of the Dead Cow. He also wrote online essays under the name Psychedelic Warlord. His writings as a teenager included a piece of fiction written from the point of view of a killer who runs over two children with a car. That's right. Beto O'Rourke used to be a hacker. Yeah, which I think will only help him because 
it's a great way to show that you're from a more modern generation. Right? Most of the other candidates could never have been hackers, even if they wanted to. Like, what was Bernie gonna hack? A telegram? Huh? <laughs> I've breached the mainframe, we're in! <laughs> and, and as for people slamming O'Rourke for the short stories that he wrote as a kid, I'm sorry, but that's just ridiculous. They were fiction, right? He wrote fiction. People are like, I can't believe it. He wrote fiction, what's next? Are we gonna arrest George R.R. R. Martin? Huh? That man's a monster, he killed thousands! No. <laughs> He's a monster because he refuses to finish those books. That's why he's a monster. What the hell, George? You and Robert Mueller having a contest? Someone release something! God damn it! But Beto's an interesting guy, right? He doesn't want to risk offending anyone with his past writings. In fact, he doesn't want to offend anybody. He spent the weekend apologizing for that and about 50 other things. I'm mortified to read it now, incredibly embarrassed. Uh, but I have to take ownership of my words and understand the way that they make people feel when they read them now. Last night, he said it was wrong of him to make a joke at several events that his wife had been raising their three children, quote, sometimes with my help. It's constructive criticism. It, it, it has already made me a better candidate. Not only will I not say that again, um, but, but I'll be much more thoughtful going forward in, in the way that um, I talk about our marriage. Beto O'Rourke on the defensive, telling reporters he regretted saying that he was born to run for president. I'm born to serve. Uh, I'm, I'm born to try to help bring people together. Wow, this guy's apologizing for everything. Soon he's gonna start apologizing for stuff he didn't even do. I'm sorry, Tristan cheated on Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> I have to take responsibility for his actions. I'm sorry, people, but this is out of control. People literally wanted Beto O'Rourke to apologize because he said about the presidential race, I was born for this. And they were like, that's white privilege. Are you saying the presidency's your birthright? No, born for this is a figure of speech we all use to indicate we're ready for something, all right? I wasn't actually born for the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's just something I say. <laughs> this shit is getting ridiculous. This is not wokeness, this is insanity. Can you imagine if Beto took this attitude into the White House, huh? North Korea would launch missiles and his aide would be like, Mr. President, what do you wanna do? And he'd be like, uh, as a white man, maybe it's my time to listen to what these missiles have to say. <laughs> Be like, breaking news, New York City was wiped out, but the president is a woke bay. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about climate change. It's the most pressing issue facing humanity. Well, that and March Madness. This bracket is killing me. Anyway, because climate change is so gradual, very few people feel the passion to act. Luckily, we have someone on this show who is extremely angry and passionate about this issue and really every issue. Please welcome Ronnie Chang. Thank you, Trevor. Trevor, first of all, can you please stop telling everyone that I'm an angry person? All right, you made me sound like some kind of raving psychopath. I'm actually a really chilled out kind of guy, all right? How do you think I got my sponsorship with Ambien? <laughs> Ambien. Just go to, f to sleep already. <laughs> that being said, 
Nothing wrinkles my ball sack more than people ignoring the threat of climate change. And last weekend, kids around the world decided they were sick of it too. Students in more than 100 countries took to the streets Friday demanding action on climate change. An estimated 150,000 students and adults took part in school walkouts organized mainly through social media and word of mouth. They're calling for, among other things, 100% renewable energy by 2030. The earth is dying. Stop denying. We call for a real national emergency. Hell yeah, kids. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love seeing young people get fired up about what they believe in. It reminds me of when I was a teenager and I protested the Iraq war by crashing my dad's car into a tree while drunk. <laughs> also, it's pretty slick how they found a good reason to skip school. I mean, the kids were like, with the world the way it is, we cannot in good conscience go to class or do homework. Now let's head down to Cancun and fight climate change with Senior Frog. Whoa, climate, climate. So, I get why these kids are angry. The planet they're inheriting uh, is going to get destroyed. The same way the microwave I inherited from my grandmother was destroyed by this weird sticky black stuff in it. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like burnt cheese, but it's not. And it looks wet, but when you touch it, it's like hard. Because like some goddamn barbarians didn't know how to use lids when they microwaved their shit. R Ronnie, are you, are you cursing out your deceased grandmother? Trevor, please. Okay, this is a private matter between me and my gross dead grandma, all right? <laughs> anyway. The people in charge should be listening to these kids, but instead, they're going ahead with their plan to make as much money as possible while ruining everything in their path. The Trump administration has approved seismic testing along the Atlantic coast from Delaware to mid-Florida. Air guns dragged behind a vessel emit sound waves every 10 seconds that penetrate the seabed. The reflected pulses create a map of the oil and gas deposits below. Noise that can disturb sound-dependent marine life. Dolphins and whales rely on sound to communicate, find mates, uh, find food, and avoid predators. Just when I thought oil companies couldn't be more evil, now they're blasting the ocean with non-stop sonic waves. And you heard what that lady was saying. Whales use sound for everything, like hunting and finding a mate. Imagine being a whale. You think you're hearing all these mating calls. Next thing you know, you're having sex with a boat, okay? And now your whale wife is divorcing you, your life falls apart, and you end up doing flips at SeaWorld for meth. Okay, it happens all the time. Oh, but, but don't worry, okay? If you ask the people who are blasting the sonic waves, turns out everything's gonna be fine. The government concedes there could be impacts but not enough to kill or seriously injure marine life. Assurances echoed by the oil industry. We've been coexisting with marine ecosystems for years, and we just haven't seen adverse impacts. Really? You guys haven't seen any adverse impacts? Right now, there's a seagull saying, what was that? I, I couldn't hear you because I have too much oil in my ears. These guys have been spilling so much oil in the ocean, somewhere there's a polar bear being accused of blackface, all right? <laughs> also, why? It's terrible. There's context. Also, why are we believing anything these oil companies are saying when they haven't even cleaned up the shit they've already done? The longest oil spill in American history has been going on for 15 years now, nonstop, following Hurricane Ivan. Millions of dollars has been spent to try and clean up this disaster. Oh my God, how is the ocean even still water? At this point, it's gotta be just oil and Starbucks cups, right? Seriously, this oil spill is 15 years old. I'm surprised R. Kelly's not all over it by now. <laughs> what I'm 
trying to say is those kids were right. If we don't take the environment seriously, this planet is going to end up looking like the inside of my grandma's microwave, okay? So, I'm very proud to announce that today, I too am joining that protest. For the good of the planet, I will also be leaving work for the day, and I'm not coming back for two weeks. Whoa, Ronnie, Ronnie, you can't just leave. You're in the middle of a segment, dude. Shut up, Trevor, you corporate shill. Change has to start now and with me, okay? I'm not just gonna sit here and do nothing. I'm gonna go home, put on some pajamas, and then do nothing. Ronnie Chang, everyone, we'll, we'll be right back. to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the two-term governor of Washington State and now a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate. Please welcome Governor Jay Inslee. Welcome to the show. Hey, this is a good show I've heard. Uh, uh, you've heard? I've heard. Wow, never I've watched? watched? No, I have watched every night. Don't go to bed without it. Oh, okay. I feel like you said you've heard and then you said you've watched. That was a, <laughs> a pretty good, uh, like a politician-y move that you pulled on me there to get the votes. You know I can't vote. So I've been around. You're wasting your charm on me. You I got, can't vote. You got friends, buddy. You got friends, okay? <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Thank you. And welcome to the 2020 race. How Thank does you. it feel to be in? It feels inspiring. Yeah. Uh, uh, inspiring because I'm, I'm finding people who really want to see a president who believes in science. Right. Who believes that the number one job of the United States is to defeat climate change. Yes. And people are telling me that that's the right message. I marched with thousands of kids in New York the other day who understand that, who believe this is a moral obligation, and who understand that, uh, look, this is the first generation to feel the sting of climate change, and we're the last generation that can do something about it. It's interesting, though, you are one of what I would like to call the OGs of climate change, right? <laughs> no, long before it was popular amongst most, uh, you know, candidates, most, most politicians, yeah. you were on the front lines fighting for climate change. In fact, you've made that your number one policy position, which is, people always say is risky. They go, don't go with one policy position. Yeah. Why would you risk it all on climate change? Because you can't solve other problems unless you solve climate change. And I've believed this for a long time. I co-authored a book about it 11 years ago. I've started the U.S. Climate Alliance. Look, if you'd been at Paradise, California with me a few months ago and you saw a town with 25,000 people rendered burnt right down to the foundations and nobody there, it looked like a, a Hollywood apocalypse movie. And that is a foretaste to what we're looking at. So what we know is this is a matter of urgent peril but it is also a matter of great promise, great economic promise. So we need someone who will really rally the American people, and I have tremendous faith in Americans' ability to innovate. Mm -hmm. you know, this is what we do. We invent, we create, we build. We just need that spark of inspiration from the White House, like Kennedy gave us when I was a little bit younger. And I can tell you, I'm pledging you tonight, if I'm President of the United States, I'm gonna make defeating climate change the number one job in the United States of America. That's what I'm gonna do. Let me ask you this, though. You have, you have now 15, 16 candidates in the race, and all of them has, have said climate change is part of their policy. I, I mean, how do you then differentiate yourself from them if everybody is biting your style? Well, number one, they all make potential good vice presidents. Uh -huh. so I would consider <laughs> that. <laughs> I, 
I think that uh, my candidacy is unique in a number of ways. Number one, I'm the only candidate who said forcefully that this has to be the, the first, foremost, and paramount duty of the United States. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think it's important to say that is that if it is not job one, it won't get done. And the reason is, is we have to use our political capital. We have to develop a, a national mandate to actually do this. Look, this is heavy lifting. We have to reorient and mobilize the entire uh, government around this mission state. Right. So having been the only candidate to really recognize that, and I've been a governor, I understand, unlike some others, to govern is to choose. And yes. I have chosen that as the priority because it is the existential threat. And we can't solve our other problems unless we solve that. That's number one. Number two, look, I've been at this for 20 years. I campaigned in 92 on this issue. I co-authored a book on this. I started the Apollo Project legislation back in, I don't know, the early 2000s. Uh -huh. So this is something that I've been both passionate and effective about. And, and the third thing is the governor, we're moving the needle in Washington state. Look, we're building a huge uh, uh, wind turbine industry. It's uh -huh. $6 billion industry. We now have legislation here that I hope we're gonna uh, guarantee Washingtonians 100% clean electrical grid. Right. Uh, we're doing the things in Washington. So both by passion, commitment, prioritization, and experience, I think that's what we need. And I think it'd be great to have someone who believes in science and gravity in the White House. I think that would be great. Let's, uh, let's, talk, let's talk about your state a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Washington State. Let's talk about what you're doing out there. The wind turbines is a beautiful initiative, mm -hmm. but one of your friends actually, and, and one of the people who has supported you in the past, Bill Gates, mm -hmm. has come out and said, you know, through research, they've realized that wind energy, solar energy is not mm -hmm. going to be enough to mm -hmm. propel us out of mm -hmm. the danger of climate change, Yeah. right? So surely there needs to be a jump bigger than what we're dealing with right now. And so some will argue that we cannot just jump to wind and solar and abandon fossil fuels if we don't have an interim right. solution. Is that your number one priority or do you genuinely believe in just wind and solar? I genuinely believe that we're going to need multiple technologies and we're going to need multiple industries. We're going to need Americans building electric cars in Michigan. We're going to need Americans building lithium-ion batteries for electric cars in Nevada. Mm -hmm. We're going to need Americans putting up wind turbines in Iowa. We're going to need multiple technologies. But I do believe we have to have a much more robust research and, and development program because we are going to need some additional technologies. Right. And listen, this is the difference between me and Donald Trump. He is a pessimistic, uh, fearful, insecure person. I am a confident, optimistic person who believes that America, who put a man in the moon, who defeated fascism, sure as heck can build a clean energy economy. That's who we are as Americans, and I fundamentally believe that. The, um, the state that you're in, the state that you're in, the state that you are governing has in many ways helped shape the future that we now mm -hmm. live in today. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, some of the companies that you, you govern over have been criticized. You know, Elizabeth Warren came out saying the tech companies have gotten too big mm -hmm. and they need to be broken up. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with this? Well, what I agree with is that, uh, look, a lot of these tech companies have made our lives so much better in so many ways. But I do believe we need to rein in uh, a considerable number of corporate practices. Uh, that's why I'm proud that I was the first governor to sign a bill guaranteeing net neutrality. We ne need net neutrality and we mm -hmm. need it nationally. We've done that in our state. Uh, I believe that we need a, a, a way to stop the incredible subsidies that the fossil fuel industry is getting. Right. Send their lobbyists to D.C. and come back with billions of dollars that we have. I believe that we need to rein in the abuses of our privacy. And I'm looking forward to, there's a bill I'm advancing through our legislature that I hope will be the template for privacy protection 
in the United States. Right. And I also believe we have to find a way to stop these corporations from blackmailing communities to saying, we're going to move our 20,000 jobs out of your town right. unless, you you give us, unless you give us a tax treatment. So yes, we need to bring some sanity to our, uh, to our society and to our economy, and I'm, I'm up to that. Come to Washington, I'll show you uh, good policies. Now, some, some might say this, though. They, they might say, okay, Governor Inslee, you say that you're going to fight against these companies who, who have blackmailed states with their right. tax policies, but you gave Boeing, I think it was an $8 billion tax credit. Right, and Boeing has also come under criticism recently where people have said, do they have too much power? It looks right. like they investigate themselves, they govern themselves, the FAA is toothless. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to be done in that regard? And at the second, the follow-up to that question would be, why did you give them a tax break and why do you think some companies should receive a tax break, if they should at all? Well, they shouldn't. And the fact it is, look, if you've ever been mugged, you understand what it feels like. Yes, I have. Okay, you have. <laughs> You're not happy about that, right? Not at all. Well, I was not happy about the Boeing situation because what happens, these corporations put a gun to your ribs and say, you're gonna lose 20,000 jobs unless you get a tax break. That is why I'm so adamant to try to stop that kind of behavior. We should use the tax code so taxpayers aren't victimized like so that. So you, you propose stopping it everywhere Indeed. so that people can't Indeed. blackmail one state using another state's tax breaks. No local community should be blackmailed by any corporation in America. Right. We'd be dedicated to that. Uh, now listen, on this FAA issue, serious issue. Here's one thing I know about that situation. We have an administration that you can't trust for anything. They are repealing our environmental laws through the EPA. Right. They are pillaging our public life uh, lands through the Secretary of Interior's action. Mm -hmm. They are reducing uh, our research and development of clean energy in the Department uh, of Energy and that kind of work. And, and everything they've touched has been chaotic and in, in, ineffective. I mean, they really can't run a two-car funeral uh, when it comes right down to it. Right. So what I know is we need someone who has been a successful executive, who has helped build the number one economy in the United States, which is the state of Washington, who has stood up against Donald Trump's Muslim ban, who has done the uh, America's best family leave policy and one of the biggest minimum wage increases yes. and net neutrality and transportation infrastructure. They can't build a birdhouse in Washington, D.C. We've got uh, billions of dollars of transportation. That kind of executive can lead this country, and uh, I hope I have that honor. You make a compelling case. Thanks, Thank you so much for being on the Thank show. You. Governor Jay Inslee, everybody. Thank you very much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.